And the second question out of her mouth, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, she looked at me and she kind of cocked her head to the side. She said, why aren't you married? And when you get those questions and they're so consistent, as a, as, especially as a, as a single woman, it can start to make you feel like being single is something you need to get out of as soon as possible. Yeah. Like it's something to be embarrassed about, ashamed about. And it's something that you need to explain to people. Yeah. And it's nobody's business. Yeah. Your journey is your journey. Yes. And so I learned to embrace my own journey. I never imagined my public healing would inspire others to heal across the world. I thank you for using him to reach the world with the message of hope in relationships. But your life does not. God, you are my publicist. We laugh. <laughs> We share the unadulterated truth. He said, not only have I not divorced you, I ain't exposed you. Oh. We didn't marry fans, we married forever. And we wanted forever to act like a fan. Reveal her, Jesus. I will not compromise mm -mm. on getting a woman of God. You don't have to. And Father, I declare for his future wifey, thank you for preserving her. This season, I declare miracles and manifestations. See, you're selling scripts. And you're unique. You ain't like nobody else. I, I noticed that right away. You being true to who you are, you're going to attract. Mm, it's a Hebrew word, chayil, and it was translated wealth. And it means people, it means men, it means resources, and it means means. I'm Lateris R. Whitfield, and this is the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, LaTerris R. Whitfield. Listen, season six has been, man, we kicked it off to a great start. I've been reading a lot of your comments. Uh, but before we get started, are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, come on, can we get a commitment by this time? Hit that subscription button and subscribe and make sure you turn on your notification bell so you'll be notified about upcoming episodes. So I love it when I get my friends on the podcast. Uh... I forgot what season it was, but a couple of seasons ago, I had her husband on the podcast, Kenny Lattimore. Today, I have my good sister, my homie, Faith Jenkins Lattimore. How you doing, sister? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Man, let me tell you something. It took us a while to get here, right? Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> you were supposed to come this summer, yeah. and, and, and something happened. What right, was that right. something that happened? So I was supposed to come in June, and yeah. I was so looking forward to it. It was T.D. Jake's birthday yeah. weekend. We were coming down for that. Kenny was singing at the event, and I was coming. I was going to do your podcast, and... I was too sick to get on the plane. I knew then that I was pregnant, but I hadn't shared it publicly. Uh, keeping but secrets. You over <laughs> keeping secrets. I was tired in that faith. You over uh, keeping secrets like that? But that morning sickness was like, you not getting in the plane. You not getting in the car. You not moving off this couch. So, so that was my month of June. For, so for an entire month, Lateris, I was just down for the count. Well, so Faith, this is the one year anniversary of this amazing book that you wrote called Sis Don't Settle. Yes. So uh, hold on, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read something that 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 resonated with me, okay. and because that is going to be the title of today's episode, and this is the pledge mm -hmm. that you wrote in the book. It says, "I'm attracting the highest, truest love into my life. This person is loving, loyal, inspiring, and kind. I continue to remain grounded and keep my heart open." I walk away from anything and anyone that doesn't serve me. I start over as often as is necessary because I'm not starting from scratch. I'm starting from experience. Mm -hmm. From every experience, I grow healthier and mature. I pledge to live now, not wait. I'm committed to excellence in all areas of my life. I continue to get better mentally, physically, and spiritually. I honor and cherish myself and those all around me. I am becoming the best version of myself and attracting someone doing the same for this I will not settle. settle. Today's episode is affectionately titled, I Will Not Settle. Mm -hmm. Faith, why did you write this book, Sis Don't Settle? It was something that had been on my heart for a long time. I started writing this book before I ever even met my husband. Mm. Because I had been on this journey in my career and in my personal life learning about relationships. I didn't grow up in a household where I saw a lot of love demonstrated. And so I spent a lot of my adult life when I started dating, figuring things out on my own and also through work, learning about other people's relationships. So my first job out of law school, I moved to New York City. I got offered this job at this big New York law firm. It was like a dream job. 
And I went and they asked for volunteer attorneys to go and work in New York family court, Mm. handling divorces, child custody, child visitation cases. So I volunteered. So my actual first court appearances were in New York family court handling those cases. So I saw some of the best ways that people knew how to be emotionally mature and distance themselves from each other. But I also saw the worst. Mm. And uh, people who were you know, using your, their children to hurt each other. Yeah. And it wasn't even about the divorce anymore. It was about the fight. It was about yeah. winning. So I, that was very early on in my career. And I was 24, yeah, 24. 24 wow. 25 years old. And so then it's like the next 15 years, I kept ending up back handling all of these relationship cases when I started doing Judge Faith, when I started working on divorce court. And so I just saw a lot. And then I was also navigating the dating world during that time period. Because I moved to New York and I thought, okay, I'm an adult now. I'm adulting in this fun city. Because you came from a little old small town in Louisiana. In Louisiana. So I'm like, I have my apartment in Manhattan. I have this great job. I know how to ride the subway now. (laughs) Obviously, it's time for me to meet my husband. That's the last thing on the list. And it didn't happen in the time frame that I thought it would. Did you know that the Dear Future Wifey podcast is number one in Jamaica? Well, guess what? We are going to go to Montego Bay, May the 4th through the 7th. We have teamed up with I Can't Wait to Travel, and we've put together this beautiful event. We've curated this amazing excursion. Uh, let, me, let me just be honest with y'all real quick. I don't take vacations. I haven't taken a vacation in four years. Pretty sad. Listen, don't feel sorry for me. Because when I'm out there in Mo Bay, we're going to have some fun. So you got to say Mo Bay to make it seem like you know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? You got to say Mo Bay. So we're going to be in Mo Bay having a great time. We're going to have great excursions. We're going to do a live podcast recording. You know what? Let me just put this in the atmosphere. Because this season is about miracles and manifestations. It's my goal to interview the prime minister and his wife on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Now, how awesome would that be? Yeah, yeah. So if y'all know somebody that know somebody that know somebody, let them know that I want him to be on the podcast. It's only $100 to reserve your spot. So go ahead and reserve your spot so they don't fill up and you're watching us on the ground wishing that you were there. Go to ICan'tWaitToTravel.com. That's ICWTT.com. ICWTT.com. Click under Group Travel and you'll see us as the first getaway in the month of May. Join us at Mo Bay, May the 4th through the 7th. Listen, I can't wait to see you there. We're going to have an amazing time. You know, one of the things that women, and I hear a lot of my single friends talk about this, one of the most intrusive uh, oftentimes can be disrespectful, but a lot of people don't say it with that intent is this question here. And I'm going to ask you this question, and you all happily married now, but I want you to revert back to that single Faith. And when asked this, because we're, we're approaching some holidays, mm-hmm. and in the holidays, these questions get asked quite often. Faith, why are you single? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the book, you said it was some funny little snide remarks that you could, you know, clap back with. Do you remember some of those those, those comments? I do. But, 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 because, so I have to say, I have to say this, y'all. I'm so happy to be here doing this interview, but I had to backtrack and kind of take a step back from doing interviews during this pregnancy because there's something called pregnancy brain Uh, and it's really real yeah and you don't feel as sharp you don't feel as quick you don't feel as on and so now i'm in seven months into this journey (laughs) so i apologize in advance if i if i demonstrate pregnancy Uh, brain no we gotta see what's so great about the dear future wifey podcast there's so much grace over this thing you know uh so we just we, we we love people matter of fact we appreciate the fact that you are actually um doing this, you yes, know what I'm saying? Yes. Presenting us with this knowledge and this information and because a lot of people respect you so much. I got some friends that uh, when that book came out, so this is the second copy that I have that she sent me because one of my friends stole the last one. Mm. And I mean, they said, I'm going to take it. And I was like, girl, you ain't going to take it. And and then I looked around and they took it. And, she said, mm. and I called, I said, you take my book. And so I told you I was going to take it. I said, <laughs> and then a couple of days later, they called me, this book is so amazing. It's so this, this, this. So I was like, okay, you really needed it because mm-hmm 
because they found so much value. Mm -hmm. I have a I have a homegirl named Lauren Lauren Jones. Shout out to you in Houston. But she read that book. She called me crying. Mm -hmm. I said, "What's up? What's going on?" Mm -hmm. She said. This book made me feel seen. Mm -hmm. She said, I read a lot of books about relationships. Oftentimes, I don't even want to read them because I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to hear this. These people don't understand what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. And she said it was something about your book that she resonated with that made her feel seen, mm -hmm. made her feel heard, made her feel connected to the author. And she called me. She was like, tell Faith. I said, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you mm -hmm. for writing that book. Yeah. Um, but let's go back to the to the snide remarks mm -hmm. that people may be able to use in the holidays. Well, two things. <laughs> One, um, that's the reason why I wrote the book, Letaris, is because this is what I needed when I was going through my dating period and I had to learn so much trial and through trial and error. I wanted to write a guide that would really help women uh, as they go through this this dating process and yeah. learning about themselves, what works for them, what doesn't work for them, how to pivot when things don't work, and for men who want to know how smart women think. Yeah. And and then second, um, those questions that that do come for you, they hurt, you know. After because I I'm celebrating my three year wedding anniversary soon. So most of my adult life, I was single and yeah. I was achieving in all of these other areas. And I went through my periods where I was happy, where I was sad, all those things. But there was an underlying question throughout all of the time period. And you're right. I'll never forget one Thanksgiving. I went home for the holidays and I met a neighbor who happened to be at my sister's house. And the first thing she said to me was, hello, nice to meet you. And the second question out of her mouth and I'm not exaggerating when I say this she looked at me and she kind of cocked her head to the side she said why aren't you married and when you get those questions and they're so consistent as a as especially as a, as a single woman it can start to make you feel like being single is something you need to get out of as soon as possible yeah like it's something to be embarrassed about ashamed about and it's something that you need to explain to people yeah. and it's nobody's business yeah. your journey is your journey yes and so i learned to embrace my own journey so but i would have some snappy comebacks <laughs> but it's some of those snappy and comebacks, i said right? well apparently according to my married friends it's because i'm lucky <laughs> that's why i'm single <laughs> and and so i would start to have these snappy comebacks or you know because it's an intrusive question yeah. well wait before i answer that what's your credit score <laughs> I just want to know <laughs> because you know you put you put the someone yeah. else on the spot. Yeah, they were like, "Why right? you how you gonna answer my credit score? Ain't none yeah. of your business." Yeah, <laughs> and so, but this notion of that I was supposed to be somewhere that I wasn't at that point in my life, yes, or that I was missing some arbitrary timeline, or that I was missing some mark, or that I could not actually be happy without a man because we see you achieving in all these other areas, but this one we're gonna bring up to you because you don't have it all. Yes, so that was the underlying message, and I was like, wow. How do I get past this? Because if you internalize it, then you start living your life from a standpoint of lack. Yes. And that and and that you are striving for something that and you're not present in the now. And you can't do that. You know why? I just got married three years ago. So if I felt like I wasn't fulfilled my entire single life, I would have spent half my life just existing and not really living because I was waiting on somebody else for me to travel for me to go to dinners, for me to go on vacation, for me to hang out with my mm. friends, I, I would have been waiting half of my life. And I didn't do that. I made a choice not to do that. You know, something I found unique when I was reading the book, preparing for this interview, I was like, man, I'm going to read this book called Sis Don't Settle. I said, what I'm going to read? Well, I'm going to read this book and what I'm going to get. Within the first chapter, I said, this book is like helping me understand the heart of a woman. I said, this book is so beautiful because, you know, um, we hear stuff here and there about the importance of marriage and how some women um, put a lot of emphasis on the wedding. Uh, but the book really lays out the heart of a woman that was a high achieving woman desiring something that was literally out of her control. You can't make somebody marry you, but you can make yourself have a whole life. You can make yourself have a fulfilled life. And as I was reading it, I was like. Oh, this was really cool. I was reading stuff about what you were encouraging women to do in their single life. And it made me say, oh, I, I would love to date a woman like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a woman that thinks like that. I would love it. I would love a woman like And you were literally laying out what 
I don't know if you did that systematically or whatever, but you started laying out what it is unbeknownst to you, I would say, that would literally attract a man to a woman mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Because women are, uh, men are attracted to contentment in a woman. Men are attracted to women who are secure, who, who are... They are 10 toes down and who they are, not women that carry a lot of masculine energy, like I don't need no man, mm-hmm. but a woman who can show up holistically in her femininity and be like, hey, I'm whole. One important, and I love that you noticed that because I had to learn that no one else could have the responsibility to come into my life to make me happy. Mm. Why would I give someone else that kind of power mm, in my life? Because you, if you have the power to make me happy, you have the power to make me sad. Facts. If you have the power to make me happy, you have the power to make me depressed. So I knew I wanted to be happy on my own and attract somebody else who was happy on their own, and we were going to come together and be happy together. Talk about and it. And I'm not saying, you know, you don't have tough times 100%. in life. You don't go through difficulties. But I'm saying the true genuineness of you never give somebody else that kind of power that you are waiting on someone else to come along, a relationship to come along to make you happy. So when I talked about all the things I did as a single person, they were things that made me happy. I traveled by myself to Paris. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, and it made me go, but why would you want to go to Paris by yourself? That's the the city of love. You want to be with that, 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 that love in your life. Did that bring out those feelings of loneliness while you were there? Because I was learning to love me. I had to learn to love me and I wasn't always there. I made I made a lot of mistakes I made in my young life, in my dating life was because I was figuring out how to love me. And and I was on this journey of self-love because you're the person you're going to be with your yes. entire life. You, you are it. the one that you're going to spend the most time with. Mm. And when people see how you treat yourself, what you're doing is signaling to them how you expect to be treated. Talk about so it. So I'm, I'm going to go to Paris if I want to go to Paris. And I'm going to go to dinner if I want to go to dinner. If I had to go to dinner by myself, that's what I did. Yes. All the things that I wanted to do, that I hope to do one day with the husband, I did them as a single person because I was not going to miss out on my life waiting for somebody else to come along. So how did you deal with breakups? You know, how'd you deal with rejection? Mm-hmm. I know it was guys along the way that you started falling for, which mm-hmm. is this interesting story that mm-hmm. <laughs> in the book you talked about how uh, this guy really wasn't pretty much ghosting you, stopped mm-hmm. calling you, mm-hmm. and you orchestrated an opportunity to go to a conference to, to run try into to, to run into him yeah. by happenstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think back on those moments, who do you think about, like, how do you think about that version of you? So to answer your question, how did I deal with rejection and breakups? Poorly, initially. <laughs> um, again, it was a process for me. And when I wrote this book, I wanted to write chapters where people could pick up this book when they're going through something difficult yeah. and go to this chapter. Yeah. How do we, how do you handle a breakup? How do you handle rejection? How do you handle being ghosted? How do you handle when you meet somebody you like? So one of my favorite chapters in the book is about handling breakups Yeah, because I dated for a long time, Latera. So I went through my share Mm -hmm. and and it was horrible initially and I was terrible at it and I would wallow in self-pity and I would suffer, you know, in life pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. But I was making Mm. this choice to suffer through all these breakups and it just got tiring because I was on this hamster wheel of dating somebody and meet somebody I like, going out on these dates. We break up. I suffer. I wallow. And I said, I don't want to live like that. Mm. There has to be a better way. So I started learning that in my career, in my personal life, in all of these things, closed doors have the meaning you give to them. So I said, this door is closing on this relationship. If you really think, because I'm becoming more enlightened now in this process, Mm -hmm. that the best is yet to come for you. It's easy to say that when you're not going through anything. Yeah. But if you really think the best is yet to come for you, why are you going to be so upset about this door that's closing, about another ending? Because that ending means there's another beginning. So Mm. I had to learn radical acceptance when it came to these relationships ending. I will accept this breakup. I am not going to hold on for dear life. Yeah. I'm not going to try to convince somebody anymore to be with me because when someone likes you, you'll know it. And if they don't, you'll be confused. So I just started getting rid of all the confusion out of my life Mm. and started learning how to handle 
the end with just an emotional maturity about me. And then I learned how to deal with rejection because I was ghosted. I was about to ask you that. I was yeah. ghosted and I was, and then I had relationships that ended before I was ready for them to. So um, I'll never forget, I was in college. This was my biggest moment, I think, of learning what rejection really meant and why it's important not to take it so personally. Mm. I was uh, in college and I wasn't dating anyone. I actually didn't have serious relationships when I was in college. I was very studious and very, very involved in school. And I told this story in the book because I thought it was really important and I uh, offered a very different perspective. I We had this annual black tie event on my college campus and I wanted to go and I wanted a date. I didn't want a boyfriend. I just wanted a date to the event. So there was a really cute guy on campus that I liked. And I thought he liked me too. You thought? I, I did. <laughs> I did. So I went over to him and I approached him one day in the student union. And I said to him, hey, this um, event is this Friday, last minute. But I would love for you to go with me. I think it's going to be fun. So you shot your shot at him. I did. Okay. I did. And I asked him to go to this event because I didn't think it was a big deal because I was not asking him to be in a relationship or date me. <laughs> you just said, hey, let's go hang so out. So let's go hang out at this event. I think it'll be great. And I knew he liked me. He was cute. And I thought we would take cute pictures together. <laughs> That's what I thought. So he stood there and he looked at me. He said, um, he looked at me and he said, this sounds like a great event and uh, sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, but I can't go with you. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, I'm sorry. And he walked away. That's all he said. That's all he said. That's all he said. And it was like he paused and he thought about it for a second because I told him, you know, it's black tie. It's the only black tie thing we have. It's like our prom in college. So he told me no. And I was like, oh, OK. I was embarrassed. And I, I remember seeing him around the student union. I avoided him for the rest of the semester after that. Five years later, <laughs> I've graduated from college. He's graduated. And I'm back in town for some reason and walking down the street. And I go into this store and I run into this guy. It's been five years. I don't even remember <laughs> this event, but he did. And he said, hey, um, Faith, can I pull you to the side for a second? I was with friends. And I said, Sure. He said, do you remember several years ago when you asked me to that black tie event at school? I was like, I, I, I didn't remember. So I just said, yeah, OK. <laughs> and he said, um, well, I just wanted to tell you that I actually really wanted to go with you. And I really liked you. And um, I was really interested in hanging out with you. But he said, I didn't have a suit and I didn't have anything to wear and I couldn't afford to get anything to wear. And I was wow. too embarrassed to tell you. Wow. And I thought, wow, because at first I'm thinking, you know, this was the time when the Steve Harvey yeah. suits were so big. So I thought everybody at least had one, <laughs> you know, a pair of Stacey Adams or something in their closet. But no, he didn't. And, uh, but he told me that how much he liked me and how the real reason was he didn't have anything to wear. Mm, that's deep. That story resonated with me so much because how many times do we go through rejection and we make it all about us? Yes. And we go down this rabbit hole and we come up with all these reasons why they don't like us, why they don't want to date us, why they're not interested. And That's it could good. have absolutely nothing, nothing to, to do, do with, with you, you and everything to do with something going on in their life. That's good. That's good. Wow, that's good. Mm -hmm. So how do you... How do you deal with red flags? Because some, you know, it's a fine line between that rejection type stuff mm -hmm. versus red flags with with people that you may be interested in and you're you're investing a lot into them. How have you dealt with first of all, let me ask you, have you had to deal with red flags in the, in these dating streets? Mm -hmm. Of course. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand, I was dating for 15 years, so I've seen, I've pretty much seen it all. And uh, before I met my husband, and I, I know I'm not wearing any rings today, y'all, but it's only yeah. because my, I couldn't get them on today. But, uh, yeah. You know, pregnancy makes everything on your body different, yeah. including these fingers that are like um, too big for any of my <laughs> rings anymore. But, um, it, you know, I always say now, looking back, that the signs you ignore in the beginning, your red flags, because it's personal to everyone. Yeah, yeah, it is. So these are your red flags. The signs that you ignore in the beginning, wow, they come back to haunt you in the end. Mm. And that's happened to me many times because I thought somebody was cute. 
I said, well, I'm going to look, I'm going to look over this for right now because he's cute and uh, came back to bite me in the end. But I always say be grounded in what really helped me in dating, especially in the end when I met Kenny and I, and I knew early on that he was probably going to be the man that I married. It was because I had gotten to know myself enough to know what I liked, but I also knew what I didn't like. Yes. And it's because I had met and had, you know, relationships and talked to people and gotten to know people. And I knew from experience what didn't work for me and what did work for me. Mm. So when those red flags would come along, instead of me trying to stay and figure out how red these red flags are, I used it as a way to say, stop, take a step back, really reflect. Is this, is this something that, because you can't change people. No. It's not our job to change anyone. At and all. it is a big mistake to think you are going to be in a successful relationship because you think you're going to convince somebody else to change. Talk Accept about people for who they are. And if you don't like who they are, pivot and go in the other direction because you will save yourself a, hot, a lot of heartache and a lot of pain trying to stay in a relationship, convincing somebody to change because people do not change for you. Change, they change for themselves when they want to. So when I saw red flags, for me, one was a history of infidelity. I dated someone who had been married a couple of times and in both of their marriages had had affairs, but claimed I'm healed now. I've gone through this journey. I'm a better person. This would never happen again. And I want to marry you. Well, for me, I was on high alert with this person yeah. from day one because one thing I learned about people is look at their patterns mm -hmm. because patterns about people don't lie. Facts. You know, when the FBI put together, I was a prosecutor in Manhattan for a number of years, Lateris, and we would have these studies. The police would do these studies and they would come in and talk to us and then they would bring in like the, this FBI analysis when they wanted to put together mm -hmm. a plan of action and talk about uh, the different directions they think a suspect may go. Yes. They would study their patterns. Oh, you're talking about history. some stuff. You're talking about some stuff. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and they would look at their patterns. Talk. Because their patterns would indicate what they were going to do next. And so, again, I'm not saying people don't no, change. Don't change, but. But, boy, those patterns, what, what they speak and what they say about a person should put you on high alert as to who they are. And uh, I eventually ended the relationship with this person after only a few months because I saw the signs. I saw the signs. I said, this is not, this is not quite right. You know, there was a little bit more to that journey that they needed to do. But and then in other circumstances, I just I just knew what my red flags were. Loyalty. Yeah. Um, you know, how do they treat other people yes. who they consider to be in lesser positions than Ooh, them? That's good. You know, are they able to show them grace? Because one day they're going to see you vulnerable. Talk about it, Faith. <laughs> Girl. So one day they're going to see you vulnerable. And how are they going to treat you? So all of those things were very important to me. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I remember the first time I got the privilege of talking to you. Now, me and your husband, that's my boy. I love that dude. Um, and I was at the DMV. My son, Armani, was getting his driver's permit. And I don't know how we ended up getting on the phone, but I was talking to him, and you got on the phone. And I was like, Harpo, who this woman? <laughs> you know? And I got to talking to you, and you began to – and so here it is. Me and Kenny had our journey where I'm, I'm, I was able to hear from his heart what he desired. Mm. And, um, and so I'm hearing this. We having these conversations and I'm writing these dear future, Le uh, dear future wifey letters on Facebook and we having these conversations. One of the letters, like I was talking to my boy Kenny and he was traveling to South Africa to do this concert. And he was like, man, this place is beautiful. I wish my wife was with me. He mm -hmm. said, I wish I was married in this. And we, and his two brothers just talking about matters of the heart, which mm -hmm. is very uncommon. And, uh, I was just like, man. And it led me to write a letter to my future wife on um, on Facebook that day. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing these intimate conversations that he and I had. And then I hear a voice. And 
through that voice, you begin to share things that through your journey, you were literally writing. You had a uh, a prayer closet or whatnot, and you mm-hmm. would put on the mirror things that you desired and things. Matter of fact, you tell that story, and I'm going to tell people how I responded to that moment. What were you going through during that moment? You said you was writing notes and, and interceding for that which you desired as a husband. Six months prior to meeting Kenny, I'd gone through a breakup. You may say, yes, another one, yes, another one. <laughs> it's another one, it's, DJ and, and I went through that breakup, but again, now, I had been through a lot at this point, and I knew how to handle it. But also had an honest conversation with God. Mm. And I had this conversation with God and I said, I don't want to date anymore. Haven't I learned all of the lessons? Because the key to being, I think, coming out of a breakup successfully are the lessons that you take from it and what you learn from exactly. it. Exactly. So I had this conversation. I said, haven't I learned all the lessons? I'm ready in every area of my life, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, What else do I need to learn, God? And I'm going to show you through how I handle this breakup that I'm ready. This is good. So instead of holding on, I let it go. I let it go. And I just let it flow. And I said, this moment of letting this go and radically accepting that this breakup is happening is going to lead me to meet my husband. And I took out a sheet of paper. So you knew that. You felt that in your spirit. I felt it in my spirit. And I knew it. And I took out a sheet of paper for the first time because I was always writing my career goals and reaching them, always writing down. But for the first time, I took out a sheet of paper and I was bold enough to admit and be vulnerable about what I really desired in my personal life. Because before, I was almost scared to admit it yeah. because I was concerned about being disappointed yes. and having my heart broken again and it not happening. And how would I handle that? And boy, I tell you, when you live with that fear, it doesn't. It, it's it's a way to protect yourself. Yeah. But it re, what, what it really does, Lataris, is poison your perspective. Yes. And so I let it go, and I just wrote it down. I didn't tell anyone, and I said, by this time next year, I will have met my husband. Mm. And I had, I went into my closet. I had this closet where I, I was putting up post-it notes about various things. And I put up the story about different women who had met their husbands and who had these periods of uh, being questioning God's timing. But they were I put up pictures of them with their husbands happily married Mm. because it happened for them. And I say, well, God is not a respecter of persons. Talk about it. So if he'll do this for somebody else, surely he can do this for me. And I wrote down what I really wanted and I would go and I would look at it and I would read it every single day, the first thing in the morning and the last thing at night before I went to bed. And Mm. that was my, the beginning of the process of me meeting the man of my dreams. And I don't say this lightly but when I said that prayer to God, Lataris, I was also in a position of if I have to be, if my if my journey is being single, then this is what I'll be before I will ever settle and marry somebody who is not what my heart really desires. Talk about I it. I will do it. Do I? Want, I'm, I'm seven months pregnant now, and I thought, well, what, what about having children? I would rather be single Teach. and adopt a child than have a child with a man who is not the right man for me. Teach. So I was ready to go down that journey as well, but six months later. Six months later, and this is so important, I was living my life because I said, okay, I'm uh, this this past relationship is over. I'm living my life. What do I want to do to enjoy my life? So I said, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna take some singing lessons. And I talked about this in the book because so many women met their husbands by getting out of their comfort zone, doing things that they just loved doing and being in a different space and moving in a different space. So I called up Aaron Lindsay. You know, mm-hmm. this super Grammy winning gospel producer yeah. who I never thought would even take a meeting <laughs> because he was like, this girl, she does not sing. <laughs> so I went back. I was taking my little voice lessons. I messaged Aaron and I said, Aaron, would you mind meeting up? Just giving me some advice. And Aaron said when he walked into that meeting into the coffee shop and within five minutes, he said, I have to introduce her to Kenny. Yep, I have to introduce her to Kenny. He went home and told his wife and she was like, 
what's your hesitation? What's your, I, he, he, she said, I could tell you're hesitant. And he was like, because I don't know her on a personal level. I know her through business. I know Kenny. He's been my friend for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. And he said, so I don't want to overstep my boundaries. And Aaron's a pastor. And she said, what is God really telling you putting, putting on your heart? And he said that they're perfect for each other. Yeah. <laughs> and let me, I've met you through Kenny. I've yeah. met so many other men through him that I am that have restored my faith in what's out there for women in general. Because I told Kenny, I said, I don't know how you have so many friends that are just some of the most genuine, have so much love to give. We because I think oftentimes as women, we have become jaded to yes. think that. And we become cynical. Yes. We become cynical. So, so have a lot of men, but we have become cynical about love. And you cannot be a cynic about love and attracted at the same time. Those two things cannot coexist. And so when I met him, I knew something was different. And when he started introducing me to his friends, to you and to other people, I was like, there's a whole world of y'all out there. <laughs> That's what I started thinking. I was like, this is amazing. And, uh, we are celebrating our three-year wedding anniversary, and I will just say this. Everywhere I go, Kenny's been in the music business for 25 years. You've known him for probably 15 of yeah. them. Everywhere I go, I meet people who say, I met I met your husband. It could be a, you know, a fellow artist. Yep. It could be a Steve Harvey of the world. Yeah. It could be a cab driver. It could be a hotel worker. They all say the same thing. Yep. How nice he is, how how well he treats people. Yep. And it makes me proud. Yes. Everywhere I go, this man has touched people's lives. And I will tell you, wow, I he is one of the best human beings I know. And I'm not gonna get emotional. Yeah. I, I got some I got some tissue somewhere around here. Where's my tissue at? Oh, it's right over there. Ladarian, toss me the tissue right there in the corner. Right. And there. I will tell you something, Lataris. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Y'all know the emotions be all over the place, yeah. you know. Nah, that's real. But he's one of the best human beings I know, and uh, it has been a pleasure to do life with him. It has been an absolute pleasure. My life has been elevated in every way. And one thing that stood out to me about him was. Lateris, it's easy to treat people well when things are going good. Yeah. You want to know the true character of a person? How do they treat you when things are not going well? Talk about it. And I've said this in so many of my interviews, and I'm just not talking about me. I'm talking about other people. Yeah. Kenny, other things that Kenny's had to deal with in his life. Yeah. And I've seen this man take the high road when a lot of other people would have went the other direction and people would have thought they're justified in doing so. 100%. But that's him. His character is just on another level. Let me tell you something. It was a stage in my life where I used to, because uh, like I said, I'm from the, I'm from the hood, so <laughs> you know I ain't as refined as Kenny is, <laughs> and so I will always be like, "What would Kenny do?" I used to do that privately to myself. What would Kenny do? Yeah. I said, he's just so nice. He's so diplomatic. And I'd be like, so I said, I ain't diplomatic like that. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, hold on, let me tell you what. What, what you're not going to do is handle me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm straight from the hood. So I, I had to go through this phase in my life. I just said, what would Kenny do? He'll be real nice. He'll be like, well, let's consider it. This, this, this. I said, consider it. I said, we ain't considering nothing. I've yeah. already considered it. And I'm going to tell them yeah. whatever. Yeah. But the way he approaches stuff is so beautiful. And so... He was one of my friends who I said, God, do it for him. Yes. You hear the desires of his heart. Do it for him. Yes. And so when he introduced me to you and I was at that driver's license place, I got up, I stepped into the lobby and I heard your voice and I heard you ta start talking about the different things uh, that you saw. And it, it just I just broke down crying. I was standing. I was like, it's so, I said, I'm crying. Hold on, man. <laughs> Jesus, because I said, this is the perfect person. It's, and it's so crazy because you will feel whatever you feel about how y'all are in alignment. But for me to see it, it was like so much hope and mm -hmm. inspiration that mm -hmm. I got from that. I was like, now God, how do you, how do you do that? You mm -hmm. really, really dope. She goes to try to get singing lessons. And it ain't even about singing lessons. Did you even get singing lessons? I did do the lessons, but I didn't. I was going to put out a. Don't laugh, but I was going to put out a Christmas single that year. I didn't put out the single, 
But that was my goal. <laughs> that was your goal. <laughs> yeah. And then God done gave you a whole husband. You know what that's I'm saying? Right. That's and right. that's what I'm saying. God is so omniscient that he strategically, that's why the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered. Mm-hmm. That he literally just ordered it and you just going about, like you said, mm-hmm. life, enjoying life, doing the things that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then God connected you with your purpose partner. And one of the things I always tell my friends, I'll be like, when you choose well, Yo, yo, your friends get blessed by that relationship. Because mm. when I tell you, Faith has blessed me in so many opportunities, anything that she's involved in, she's like, LaTaris, do you want to work on this? LaTaris, you want to go shoot this? Hey, LaTaris, you want to go and do the show opener for Divorce Court? Mm-hmm. I'm like, boy, kid, that's what I'm talking about. Boy, I'm glad you, you picked somebody that we all approve of. You pick, We all get blessed by, <laughs> by, by, by this marriage. Yeah. You know, and that's what marriage should be, that people should be blessed by the overflow of it. Mm-hmm. And you're such a great and kind woman of God that is always like, hey, let's do this. And so it was a honor to even shoot y'all's wedding you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying i said my wedding gift for y'all was mm-hmm. to shoot your wedding because and people don't know that this is how i operate uh but i'll share this i sow where i want to go mm. i sow where i want to go and i sow where i want to grow and so when i looked at this love story i said oh yeah i'll donate my services mm-hmm. to shoot this wedding because I'm planting seeds and sowing seeds and the love that I want to I want reciprocated to me. Mm-hmm. And so just watching this, watching this beautiful marriage, watching this beautiful wedding, watching this beautiful covenant take place, I was just like, I want this. Mm-hmm. And I was in the middle of shooting it and I just started crying, mm-hmm. which you had this flash mob take place and some oh that was it was a beautiful day. Oh. It was a beautiful day. And so many people uh, afterwards told me that they had been praying for him to meet somebody, you know, amazing because that's what he deserved. And, you know, being in this marriage and I and I talk about this now because when you read the book, you'll hear all these stories and all of these things that I went through because I just want to encourage people to know that, um, you know, when you when you do stand strong on your foundation, because what I would pray was I had all the, the a list of things, but I don't know all. So I would release it to God and say, you know, Ephesians 320 said you can do exceedingly abundantly above even what we ask or think. Yeah. So so it's all of this or even better. Yes. You know, that that's what I asked for. And I really feel that I was blessed with even better. What was so beautiful we didn't go to the strip club as his bachelor party. <laughs> we didn't go to the strip club. We didn't go do all that mess. We had a words of affirmation ceremony. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by the character of the men that, that, that we are, is we sat there, put him on a stool, and began to speak blessings over him and share with him how we gleaned insight and wisdom and value out of our friendship with him. Mm-hmm. Times when he encouraged us, times that we, we, we watched him move and was like, Gosh, you have a high level of integrity Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we will pop off at this moment. And it was such a beautiful moment with men, Mm -hmm. brothers Mm -hmm. in Christ, soldiers Mm -hmm. sitting around, surrounding each other, sharing words. Uh, And that's why it was so special for uh, y'all to come into oneness is because like you're the perfect persons for each other. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful. So as you, as you, um, when you, you know, in writing this book, what is some of the feedback that you've heard? I mean, I've gotten a chance, you know, I'll be trying to check stuff. I've been looking at Amazon and looking at a lot of the reviews, five Mm -hmm. stars everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why do you think this book is resonating with people all over the world like that, where they're giving five stars to this book everywhere? Well, I, I knew that I wanted to write something that I wished I would have had, as I mentioned before, when I was going through this process of self-development and self-awareness, because I think that we're taught a lot of times not to focus too much on preparing for a relationship because romance is the real thing. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, does he give you butterflies? Oh, this is just hap. This just happens in serendipity. But really and truly, if you want to succeed at anything in life, what's the best way for you to be successful at something is to prepare for it. Yeah. So you uh, healthy relationships don't just happen. Healthy relationships happen when two healthy people come together and commit to grow together. So I I just pulled from all of these lessons and all of these experiences, all of these women that I met over the years and all of these experts that I talked to and put it all together in the book. And then I was a realistic role model for 
a lot of these women because I included my personal stories of how I felt uh, being single and navigating this and being faced with, you know, will I be able to have children? Because mm-hmm. I did, I, well, I will never forget, I turned 35 and, and people were like, well, wait a minute, are you going to have kids? What's yeah. going to happen for you? And I will never, when I, listen, when I was 25, I wasn't even thinking about having children. I went to a, my, my doctor in New York and I remember him telling me, he said, hey, if you want to, you can, with a healthy uterus, and mm-hmm. I'm just going to get a little, you know, no, specific no, here. No, we're around here. But he said, with a healthy uterus, if you freeze your eggs at 30, because he was having, you know, a lot of women yeah. come in talking about having children. And he was, he so he started, he, he told me, he started giving advice to his younger patients. And he said, with a healthy uterus, if you freeze your eggs, you can have kids all the way up to your 50 years old. So he started t- talking to me about this stuff when I was yeah. 25. And even Jennifer Aniston recently, she released an article about her journey in trying to become a mom. And she said she wished someone would have told yeah. her to freeze her eggs. Yep. If that's something that you're concerned about, children, and you're in your, 25, in your 20s, in your 30s, do it. Yep. Do it. Because that helps take some of the pressure Facts. off of you. Facts. We've been knowing each other. We've been friends for 20 years. Oh, is it 20? It's 20. Wow. And it's 20 this month. Well, in October, October 2022 began, it was 20 months. I mean, 20 years, because uh, we became friends when he toured in my first play in, tw- okay. in 2002. So it's just like, wow. Like You think about that journey of being around somebody that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. So we we hear about the negative stuff that comes when you're single. Why? Uh, why are you single? Why this? Why you ain't got no kids? All that stuff. But just because you get married doesn't mean that you're relieved of negative uh, words and negative questions and negative statements. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this before about people, you get married and they'll speak negative stuff about you like it's not going to make it, mm-hmm. like you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced that where people like, oh, y'all married, but y'all not going to stay married. I, I give y'all a year. I give y'all two years and all that mm-hmm. nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that you say that because we had a conversation. Uh, you know, Cheryl Lee Raff was yeah. at a wedding and she talked about, I think she's been married 20 years now. 20 years. And she talked about at least 20. And she talked about that people told her in the beginning that her marriage wouldn't last. <laughs> um, we had dinner with Ray Chu um, and, and, <laughs> and his <laughs> wife Vivian. And they've been married over 20 years. They're such a beautiful couple. And she told me, she was like, yeah, in the beginning, people were like, well, this won't last. This is That's crazy to me. I know. Like, who says that to people? Like, what makes people feel like they're invited into a space like that to speak negative over someone's wedding, mm. their marriage, their covenant? I'm going to tell you covenant. something. Your good news, and this is for, you know, and I'm talking about career stuff. When you are when you start to excel, you start to achieve, and people see you happy, you're going in new directions in your life, your good news will always be a threat to an insecure person. Whoa. So... You have to learn very early on in doing life when you are stepping outside of your comfort zone to achieve new goals in your career. You just won podcast of the year, you know, yeah. for your podcast. Yeah. So as you continue to elevate yourself and you continue to rise higher, you're going to get more opportunities to do a lot of other things. But you're also going to get more of something else. And that is of people looking at you and, and targeting your work. And uh, and and you're gonna have more critics. You're gonna have more naysayers. And I always say, do not take criticism from people you don't take advice from. Woo! Number one. Oh, geez. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on, Faith. Say that again. <laughs> say that again for the people in the back. Because you will not find somebody in a happy, healthy, fulfilled place in their life telling you you're gonna fail at something. That's not coming from those people. Hold on, say it again. Don't take criticism, criticism from people you don't take advice from that you that wouldn't, you, take, that advice you wouldn't take advice from. Right. Because why would their opinion have any weight in your life? <laughs> you know what uh, Rob Sharma said? He said naysayers, haters, whatever you want to yeah. call them. You know what's really going on? He said they're damaged dreamers. They are people who they're not telling you your story. They're telling you theirs. Mm. Because... People who have achieved, people who have sacrificed, people who have fallen, but they've landed on their back because they know if they can look up, they can get up. Mm. So they got back up again. They're not going to be telling you you're going to fail at something because they're going to understand the importance of knowing that you rise by lifting up others. 
They're going to understand the importance of being enlightened. If people really knew, if people really knew the impact of leaving negative, com I would never leave a negative comment <laughs> on anybody's work on anything. Yeah. Just out of spite. I would never do it because that stuff doesn't hurt the other person. Because if, if you're enlightened, you're yeah. like me. Yeah. The birds can fly over your head, yeah. but that don't mean you have to let them nest in your hair. Talk you don't accept it. that stuff. Talk you you just move right on past it. Yeah. But what that what that person is putting out into the world, it comes back to you. Facts. You're not you're not hurting the other person. You're hurting yourself. It's you're hurting yourself. So people say that because, frankly, 50% of marriage is in a divorce. So you got a 50-50 chance of being yeah. right. But when I hear that about other couples, and you know, especially couples in Hollywood, I think people yeah. are cynical. Yeah. No one's told me that directly, but you do hear a lot of it when you talk about people who are married and in the public eye. But I tell you, Kenny and I, we built our foundation. We didn't build it on the sand. We built it on a solid rock. We started our pre counseling before we ever even got engaged. That, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. And uh, we are going into our third year, four years together, three years celebrating our marriage. And it is stronger than it's ever been. It's more love. It's more caring. It's more compassionate. It's more sacrifice. We're bringing a child into this world. And, you know, this joy that we have, the world didn't give it to us and the world Bro, can't, can't take, take it, it away. away. Come on, boy. Woo! Lord Jesus. Faith, how can people get this book before I start <laughs> running around this doggone studio? How can they get this book? Jesus. Uh, it is available everywhere books are sold. It's available everywhere books are sold. And I just hope that it. Um, we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of its release. And uh, I just hope that it blesses your life. I mean, I've, I've read where people have said their therapist recommended this book yes. to them. So many comments. And that's what I prayed for, that it would be a... Um, a place where people could go and pick up this book and it could be a true part of their journey to finding the and attracting the love they really want in their life. You know, and that's what I said as a man, when I was reading this, I was like, this is, it gave me a deeper look inside the hearts of women. And it made me be like, you know what, man, we can mitigate the damage that we cause to a lot of our Queens by mm -hmm. just, understanding them on a different level mm. and being more compassionate. If you're not, if they're not the one for you, don't play games. Let mm. them know that straight up. Be like, baby, I ain't got nothing for you. Like, like I'm not, I, I don't see you as the one, uh, but I really believe that there's somebody out there for you and move around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and if, and if, if you just want to have sex with somebody, then say that to your women. There's some, there's some women that's down for that. Hey, listen, that's all I got for you. And they'd be like, cool. That's all I got right now in the stage of my life. And you do whatever that is, but stop baiting people with the hopes and dreams that, that they have. And you know, you have, you have no good intentions with that person and you're just finna uh, bait and switch. But you know what, Latarius, let me follow up on that and say this. It is so important that you really ignore all the words that people tell you <laughs> and you judge them on their actions alone there because is. their actions really tell the story. No matter true. what, when a person's words and actions don't match up, yeah. you look at their actions only. And if they are ambiguous towards you, if they are hot and cold, if they are leaving you on red, if you are confused, if you don't know where you stand, that is where you stand. Because you're not important enough in somebody's life for them to be clear and have clarity with you. And you don't have to wait around for them to figure it out. You exit stage left. <laughs> you exit stage left and prepare yourself for the man who's going to show up in your life and leave no stones unturned to get to you. All right. All right, I'm done. This, I'm done. This, girl, you done, you, done, you started snapping. Let me tell you something. When I said you hit the nail on the head, like it's because a man with intentions will do exactly that. Mm -hmm. He's going to state his intentions. He's going to be a gentleman. He's not going to push boundaries. He's going to let you know where what it is, who he is, who you are to him, and he's going to handle you accordingly. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. Listen, man. Oh, I'm, let's 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 give him a fun fact. Fun fact: I shot the original cover for this book, and uh, they 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 changed they changed the photo. <laughs> but I, Sorry you know, about that. I, yeah, I shot the cover. It was yeah, beautiful. yeah, it was, it was beautiful. It was great. Y'all never see it uh, because the publisher didn't pick <laughs> my picture. But uh, it was really good. Though. Yeah, but my heart is. 
you know, I'm getting healed from that. I'm still going through therapy. It was the red th- power suit. Yeah. They were like, oh, yeah. this red. Yeah. Yeah. We want the red power suit. We had this old yellow. It was all nice and yeah. cute. It was, yeah. a, it was a pretty picture. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, man, I'm just I'm just so excited about your success. I'm proud of everything that you're doing. Uh, thank you for continuing to hire me on your projects. <laughs> you know, I thank you. I, I thank you for them checks, God. Well, thank, thank you, you for all your work. You are you are skyrocketing <laughs> to the next level, and I love to see it. This is your sixth season. Yes. I'm honored to be a part of it. Uh, I, I told Kenny, I said, I've got to do this before the end of the year yeah. because we were supposed to do it in June. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here and I'm just, I'm just so proud of you. And again, you know, you are such a representation, such a positive representation of, of, of a lot of men who are out there who may not even have your platform. Right. But you are a representation and should encourage women that you all do exist. Yes. And that you are out there and you're looking for that. You want to attract the same things that they want. Yeah. And that loyalty, that integrity, that love, that longevity, that commitment, all of those things. And uh, so I love this platform. We should be lifting up other people's marriages, not tearing people down. Yes. That's why I love what you do. Yes. So keep it up. And we're going to continue to see you rise in this genre in so many other areas of your career and in your life. Because what you are doing is uh, having an impact on so many other people. And, and like I said before, we rise by lifting others. And that's what you're doing. On that note, boy, thank you for pouring into me. I want to ask you this question. What do you think about this outward expression of my journey to finding the one? Like, what do you think about that? I think it's encouraging. I think it's inspiring. And I think it is unapologetically honest. And I think it's needed and appreciated. Hmm. Because that's interesting. I always wonder, like, what what would that look like? Like, what would you, how would you view a guy that was... God aligned you with this guy and said, that's your husband, but he's been so transparent with the world on his own personal journey to finding you. The woman for you, that's going to be one of the things that she loves about you and finds most attractive about you. You're different from a lot of other people. You're willing to take a different step in terms of putting yourself out there and what you want. And that's beautiful. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Hmm. All right, man. Shout out to my boy, Kenny Lattimore. Shout out to my sister, Faith Jenkins Lattimore. Man, it's so awesome. Like I said, this book is amazing. Now I got to finish reading the book because I done got hooked. I said, I'm going to read a couple of these. I said, I'm going to read a couple of these chapters and so we can have something to talk about. And then I started reading. I was like, oh, she about to come. I need to I need to quit reading. I need to set up the studio because I got caught up. I got to tell you the truth. I got caught up reading it that uh, I didn't have everything prepared for you when you got here because it started getting good. Um, it was. I was like, okay, let me read this. This is good. This is good. Because because in the book, you're very transparent in the book. Mm-hmm. And so I gravitate towards people who can operate in transparency to bring mm-hmm. healing to others. And so shout out to you um, in writing this book, you know, and doing this process. We were working on what was that last Valentine's Day? We were working on um, uh, what was that thing? Concert, uh, concert and conversations yes, for Valentine's yes. Day. And uh, uh, flew to uh, L.A., stayed at your home, and we produced this beautiful virtual concert. And um, it was beautiful, but you were working on the book then. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And it made me look, it made me appreciate authors a whole lot because I was like, I've been wanting to write a book, but oh Lord, shoot, faith be going through it. It's she, a lot of work. <laughs> I said, Lord, work, that's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah. How long did it take you to write this? I worked on this book for a year. Yeah, see, that's, more that's, than a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot of work. She was researching. It, it's, it's a lot. Like it's, it's a lot. So I know. Uh, the labor, pun intended, that you went through giving birth to this baby. Yes. Uh, so keep doing what you're doing. Hey, y'all, give it up to my, give it up for my sister, Faith Jenkins Lattimore, y'all. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you for being here. Ladarian thrusted suddenly into child protective services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black a boy with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted? Yep, you guessed it, slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. 
There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm Latarius R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. I won't settle. I won't settle. Man, I know some of y'all heard that and got y'all fired up. Y'all was like, you know what? I'm not going to settle. But the minute this video ends and fear sinks in, when you feel like, well, maybe I'm going to have to settle because just looking at the pickings out there, I don't see anything that um, – I don't see really God's best. So maybe this is God's good enough. Maybe this is God's good enough. It's a particular person that you have in mind that you know you have to compromise in so many areas in order for it to make it work. And you're saying, well, you know, everybody ain't going to come just perfect. And it's not about perfection. It's not about perfection. It's about settling. When you feel in your spirit that you know that you're settling, when you feel like, gosh, I wish I had more this, whatever, I wish I, I wish he was like this, or I wish she was like that, and you've told them areas of deficiency and they're not willing to work on it, well, at that point you're settling because that very thing is, is what's going to actually destroy the marriage if it ever makes it there, and definitely a relationship because they're, they have an uncompromising spirit. So who God brings into your life, the person that God wants you to do life with, has to be willing to change, has to have a compromising spirit or you're just wasting your time. So I really enjoyed having my buddy, 
Faith on the podcast. Uh, like I said, that's my homie. She's just an awesome woman. And I thank you, Faith, for everything that you've done, um, the connections that you brought my way, the opportunity, the the just the like the job opportunities that you brought. I really thank you so much for that. So it's been such a great, great uh, relationship. Well, here's my favorite part of the podcast where I speak to my future wifey. Dear future wifey, I will not settle. You will not settle. We will be each other's answered prayer. We will know God through all his divinity molded and fashioned us for each other. You are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You add new meaning, new purpose, and new vision to this thing called life. You will challenge me to strive for new heights as a man of God. Iron sharpens iron. I will celebrate the honor given by God to love you, to be entrusted by him to protect and care for one of his most prized daughters. Won't be taken lightly. I thank you in advance for allowing me to love you, for being open to giving love another chance. This time, it's for forever. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently, and don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family.